If only the NHL reversed ordered the draft lottery that, as Nashville was, being the final team eliminated from the Western Conference playoff race to give them near to the best, not a worse chance of winning the draft lottery. Of course, it doesn't work that way. Nashville wasn't bad enough to be a draft lottery team. You can't tank with a Vesna conversation caliber goalie. Write that down. The reward for being the best Western Conference team not to make the playoffs is simply playing meaningful games and a middling NHL draft spot in the year. Nashville hosts the draft lottery this week, Wednesday round one and continuing Thursday to be exact. That narrowly missed the playoffs while outgoing GM David Poyle, but more so soon to be GM Barry Trotz, made decisions in advance and sold at the trade deadline, while the team's remaining regulars became an infirmary that the Preds' unlikely playoff push was done using top prospects and near half an AHL roster. Meaningful development in meaningful games. The conversations out of it became misguided ones on whether new incoming Nashville GM Barry Trotz should allow Nashville coach John Hines the opportunity to come back based on the team's play. Lazy journalism, that is. Theoretically, the top prospects could have made the team. Philip Tomasino, anyone? Or AHL surprise Tommy Novak could have out of camp. I had a scenario on the fourth line for him. But the coach underperformed with the roster he most wanted until his go-tos, like Mikhail Granlund, were traded away or injured that he had no option but to play the prospects and essentially some players that deserved to be playing opening night like Novak, but weren't. Although the firing of Hines was delayed, the direction to hire more offensively-minded, leaning former New Jersey assistant of a year ago and interim head coach in Florida the year prior, Andrew Burnett, who scored Nashville's first NHL goal ever while now GM Trotz was the head coach, was only clouded by recency bias of the late push under John Hines. The math for the playoff path was not in Nashville's favor, but having a perennial Vesna conversation tender like UC Soros can cover up for a lot of team failings, except for one, not being able to score goals, that Nashville coach John Hines' roster in his system had already proved Nashville couldn't do, score enough goals to win games. The organization did the right thing being sellers at the deadline. The results after should tell you that as GM Poyle departs, his chosen last coach in Hines as well, he can thank UC Saros for having the job as long as he did, Hines can. The goalie position, of course, also the least impacted performance player position for a head coach to take credit for. It's true, though. However, bad goaltending gets NHL coaches fired. Full stop. I'd say a coach with great goaltending should be fired for a roster full of players who can't score enough goals to win as well as we wrap up the Nashville 2022-23 regular season and look ahead, because that's the story here. The Nashville team style of play in the new Nashville regime and how they want to play did not align with Coach Hines' system and some of his odd player choices. But you know what else didn't align with Hines' team system play and personnel choices all this time? 
Nashville's drafting, and that's why the prospects that Nashville has already drafted that are in the team's cupboards are emerging and more aligned now with the direction ahead. However, there were a lot of moves to be made with quote-unquote Heinz guys, but a lot of that heavy lifting was completed quickly with traded departures. What remains in place going forward is easier for new GM trots to build upon. Finally, to dispel one more lazy narrative, how a coach approached his team style based on the roster his GM provided him, as we reflect on GM Trotz as an NHL coach, that track record for defensive play in Nashville and the New York Islanders does not mean he isn't subscribed to finding the elite high-end skill that he wants to provide his new coach with. Trotz is always evolving along with the game. It's some Nashville media relying too heavy on the past locally in Nashville to think Trotz will build a team like Poyle provided for Trotz when in fact it seems more like Trotz wants the elite skill he had when he won the Stanley Cup in Washington with. That's a roster Nashville has never had. It ain't easy. Nobody said it would be You finally find that greener grass But you're still in the weeds Ain't it crazy All the time that you spend Driving through the rainbow For the pot at the end I got some rust on my Chevy But it's ready to roll I got a rhinestone sky And a song in my soul It ain't a smooth ride life It's a winding road Yeah, it might be gravel But it feels like gold Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. Before we talk about the coaching change and the beginning moves of the offseason on the eve of the draft, Nashville kept itself in the playoff picture near to the season's end, including winning in Calgary to eliminate the Flames officially in a shootout, but then seeing Division Winnipeg clinch its ticket, the final one available. We left off in that final stretch of games that had Nashville also drop the key head-to-head in Winnipeg prior to playing in Calgary, a costly loss for the team's playoff aspirations. The primary game recap has always put win or lose with the division team with the better record. You may have to dig into the pod back catalog for the division games already covered since our last look at Nashville we pick up from the April 3rd games we left off at. Nashville played 4-3-0 to finish the regular season. One was a regulation win, the other three required extra time of the wins. The Nashville game recaps to ramp up the regular season. Nashville 5-1 road loss to Divisional Dallas's game recap is in the Dallas segment of the 300 episode. 6.50 into the first, Nashville's Tommy Novak's backhand short side goal open scoring as he breaks in alone off the rush on a stretch pass from Luke Evangelista. Nashville's Novak's second goal, a bottom of the circle slot power play goal as the net front scramble trickles out to him to left home. The goal with 6 minutes 52 seconds left in the first. Nashville goalie Kevin Lincoln in denies Vegas's Jack Eichel 5-hole in the paint with Vegas on a 5-on-3 power play with 3 minutes 52 seconds left in the first. With 3 minutes to go Nashville's Tyson Berry in the crease has the puck go off his skate to look to add to the lead. It's waved off for kicking motion and 
upheld after a review. Stays 2-0, Nashville after one. Vegas get two goals in the second by former Blue Vegas defenseman Alex Petrangelo. The first goal, a shot from the dot that goes off the back of Nashville defenseman Kevin Gravel on the rebound as he boxes out and goes in six minutes in. The second, a far side blocker side goal off the rush from the circle with six minutes, 21 seconds left in the middle frame. Two all through two. A scoreless third forces overtime. Nashville's Cody Glass's four on three overtime power play goal as he net side banks it off of Vegas. Vegas defenseman Brady McNabb's skate net front and in with a minute 30 left is the winner. Nashville 3-2 overtime home win. Nashville goalie Kevin Lankinen had two goals against 30 saves. Nashville keeper Sherwood's defensive zone block shot creates his own breakaway, but he is stopped five minutes, 46 seconds into the first by Carolina goalie Frederick Anderson. 13 seconds after, it's Nashville goalie UC Soros's shoulder save denying Carolina's Sebastian Ajo on a breakaway. Nashville's Mark Jankowski's two-on-one keep far side roof shorthanded goal. Seven minutes, 47 seconds into the first. Open scoring three minutes after. Nashville's Michael McCarron's bad angle side boards along the goal line off badly positioned and unset Carolina goalie Anderson's own skating in goal off the forecheck follows. 2-0 Nashville after 20. Scoreless second with 37 seconds left. A Carolina Brady Shea 1T point shot looks to get Carolina on the board. Nashville challenged successfully for goalie interference with Martin Natchez in the blue paint making contact with Nashville goalie Saros to keep the middle frame blank. Six minutes, 28 seconds into the third. Nashville's Tommy Novak off the cycle gets in past Carolina goalie Anderson 5-hole, but the puck stays on the goal line to be cleared away. Late in the third with three minutes, 22 seconds left. Carolina goalie Anderson heads for the extra skater, but dives back in the defensive zone to prevent Nashville Mark Jankowski's shot at the empty net from inside his own blue line. Nashville's Dante Fabro's empty net goal from below the Nashville goal line with two minutes, 44 seconds left, completes the scoring. Nashville goalie UC Searle stops all 33 Carolina shots on goal to pick up the shutout, his second of the year. 3-0 Nashville home win. Nashville 2-0 road loss to divisional Winnipeg games recap is in the Winnipeg Pacific flight path episode. 53 seconds into the game off a neutral zone turnover. Nashville's Igor Afanasiev nearly tucks in a short side goal, but Calgary goalie Jacob Markstrom is able to keep it out. Markstrom then denies Nashville's Colton Sissons point blank at the top of the paint. Three minutes, 48 seconds into the frame. Five minutes, 49 seconds into the first. Nashville's Afanasiev's slot spinorama goal. Open scoring after Nashville's Mark Jankowski off the forecheck forces the Calgary tender to turn it over, trying to clear it up the wall. Nashville's Tyson Berry's Power play point shot is stopped while possibly Cody Glass or more likely Philip Tomasino get a net front tip, but it goes off the post. With two minutes, three seconds off the rush on the power play, it's Nashville's Yakov Trenin wiring it off the short side post. one nothing Nashville after one. Former Yoke Calgary defenseman Troy Stetcher's far side wrister posted in goal through a screen seven minutes, 41 seconds into the second is a lone middle frame marker. One all through two. Nashville goalie UC Saros stops Calgary's Blake Coleman's shorthanded breakaway a minute, six seconds into the third. Four minutes, two seconds into the third, Nashville's Zach Sanford's broken play scramble in the paint rebound jam in goal puts Nashville in front, but a Calgary short side goal from the dot four minutes and a second after as Calgary holds the offensive zone to set up a cross-seam pass to not the score up again. Two all after three. Overtime remains scoreless as Nashville goalie Saros thwarts Calgary's Mackenzie Wigger in tight off the rush a minute 29 seconds in overtime and Calgary's Tyler Toffoli slot pass with a minute 32 seconds left in extra time. 
Nashville stayed alive while eliminating Calgary from making the postseason with a 3-2 shootout road win. Nashville goalie UC Soros outstanding with a two-goal against 42-save performance. Calgary, by winning their last game in a Nashville loss, had Calgary finish a point ahead of Nashville with neither team able to catch Winnipeg, who, with a win over Minnesota prior to Nashville playing Minnesota, clinched the last Western Conference playoff spot. Nashville's 4-3 home overtime win to divisional Minnesota's game recap is in the Minnesota segment of Dallas mini 1.0 versus mini 2.0 episode nashville's 4-3 home loss to divisional colorado's game recap is in the is everything all g for the defending champs colorado episode that completed nashville season with a pair of divisional games Nashville finished 42, 32, 8, 92 points in the full 82 games played, 5th in the Central Division, 561 point percentage, finished 10th in the Western Conference behind Pacific Division Calgary by a point, who Nashville eliminated from making the postseason. I've covered the trade deadline deals in Nashville's injuries a team pot ago, but it was ages ago to recap. Top 6 forward offseason prior ad Nino Niederreiter was dealt to Winnipeg, forward Tanner Janot, then to Tampa Bay for a huge return. Vet left-hand defenseman Matthias Ekholm dealt to Edmonton, forward Mikhail Granlin to Pittsburgh. This while forward Philip Forsberg, then Ryan Johansson, and even later on Matt Deshane ended up on IR along with top left-hand defenseman Roman Yossi and defense group regular Alex Carrier, also notably missing time. Deshane ends up Nashville's lone 20-plus goal getter, although Forsberg's injury held him at 19, having played 21 games fewer than Deshane, who played 71 of the full 82. Traded away, Nita Ryder was a 20-goal guy, but he reached the mark with his new team. 18 were with Nashville that were equal to the total top D Yossi had. No one was a point-per-game player in Nashville. Still, after scoring the team's first goal in Europe, Kiefer Sherwood didn't stick. Forward Philip Tomasino, after a solid rookie campaign, also sent to the American Hockey League in favor of Cole Smith and Mark Jankowski. And the most damning stuck in the press box, except for 13 games played, Ellie Tovalin. Two goals, two assists, four points, was nabbed off of waivers as GM Poyle and Coach Hines naively thought he would clear and was claimed by Seattle for nothing. The 24-year-old near-prime age Nashville pick in 48 regular season games played with his new team put away 16 goals, 27 points, narrowly missing the 20-goal plateau for the first time in his career, and further had 3 goals, 8 points, and 14 postseason games played. In the season preview, I talked of Nashville potentially going with a heavy slower fourth line, mentioning Mark Jankowski, Michael McCarron, and Zach Sanford as an option. Trust me, I didn't have Cole Smith on the roster, but I had also said a young speedier line could be if Nashville decided not to go that route where you could have Ellie Tovalin if not on the second line but also Cody Glass Tommy Novak with them you can check the receipts I also wanted to promote Yakov Trenin with Johansson and Niederreiter and keep Tomasino in a third line role with Colton Sissons and Tanner Janot that's not what coach Hines did and the results of his lineup choices resulted in fewer goals as I have said, once Heinz guys were traded and or hurt, well, by default or necessity, only did other options to spark goal production get chances as Tovalin's lack of opportunity under Heinz directly showed. 
I don't think turning Nashville around is as difficult as some believe it to be, because as I have said, the Nashville team was drafting players that weren't John Hines players. Certainly, former GM David Poyle added or traded for Niederreiter, Mark Jankowski, Zach Sanford, while adding left-hand defenseman, Vet Cup winner Ryan McDonough as examples. However, Nashville was still drafting players with speed and skill that simply Hines wasn't going to provide a path to a regular lineup spot for. The organization, as we look ahead, however, Tovalin's departure aside, mostly has those development players for incoming new coach Andrew Burnett to find spots for as we look positionally ahead. In net, my last regular Nashville segment, aptly dubbed for Elvis's classic hit, Love Me Goaltender. Nashville goalie UC Sarles narrowly missed inclusion in the top three for the Vesna Trophy. His 2.69 goals against average and 9.19 save percentage, two shutouts, and an NHL best as per Money Puck, 46.7 goals saved above expected with a 33-23-7 record, merited a spot. However, as his team did miss the playoffs with those personal stats, that might have been why Winnipeg goalie Connor Hellebuck found himself on the ballot instead. Either team's playoff berth would have been because of their starting goalie, but this past year, Winnipeg was the playoff team while Nashville wasn't. The idea of entering into what looks to be a quick rebuild under GM Trotz has the idea of moving Saros for further draft capital, yet top prospect first-rounder Yaroslav Askarov is 21 years old, and goalies do take longer to develop. They peck a rene to Saros to Askarov as starting team goalie Arch probably would serve Nashville best. It doesn't rush Askarov. The other factor is that there is a lot of goalies available in the market this year, and so the return when Vesna finalist Winnipeg's Hellebuck is also available via trade might not land Nashville its best return. Backup goalie Kevin Lankinen with a 2.75 goals against average, 9.16 save percentage, and a 8.6 goal saved above expected. Yet, record-wise, he went 9.81, near 500 play. Lankinen is capable even of closer to split duty, but he probably isn't a true NHL starting goalie. Askarov's drive to replace Saros requires real development in the way Pecorene forced Saros to develop fully to replace him. Saros has two years term left, Lankinen one year and Askarov two years of his entry-level contract, which means he's waiver exempt. The status quo for next year in net is what I would do if I were Nashville. If Saros is moved, which did not happen at the NHL draft, or maybe at the trade season deadline, it has to be for a huge return of draft prospect assets, Geno-like. To everyone who continually says the right-hand D, left-hand D, natural side complement in D pairing construction isn't all that big of a deal, that overload left-hand D of Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, and the acquired Ryan McDonough again showed it does. So much so, Ekholm's no longer in Nashville. It based on return value, Nashville did part with the D-man in Ekholm that would yield more back, but I would have liked Nashville, as they did with forward pickup Niederreiter, opted for McDonough, the more recent ad, instead of of Ekholm departing. To be clear, however, because vet right-hand defenseman Tyson Berry came back as return because of his salary, Nashville came away great in dealing Ekholm, and that move stabilized the Nashville D group that wasn't while the team struggled earlier in the season with the overload. Everyone who thought Nashville should flip Berry didn't appreciate his value. Berry added offense, but he can adequately handle the defensive zone, especially paired with a stay-at-home D partner. For example, the 
with three goals, 12 points. Bottom pair left-hand D Jeremy Lazon had in 67 games played with Nashville last year was matched by the deadline pickup Barry in 24 games played. We should actually give Barry some credit in the D group's ability for Nashville's late playoff push because it was a factor. The other off-miss key piece of the Genoa to Tampa Bay trade for me was getting 24-year-old right-hand defenseman Cal Foote as part of the deal. I still think he and rush to pro right-hand defenseman Dante Fabro 25 do have top four NHL value, but with Barry in the mix, that second or third pairing slotting till they reach full potential top pair value. Likewise, as nice as right-hand D Alex Carrier is, a later draft and develop pick, has been as a story. At 26, he's more suited for the bottom pairing, overvalued in Nashville. Yes, he's below Fabro and Foot depth chart-wise to me. Collectively, though, Yossi McDonough has a top four on left-hand D. It's Lazan on his proper left-hand D side that really was the overpay bottom pair better suited left-hand D now. Yet, Lazan has the same term as McDonough, three years left to go, and only Yossi, five years, has more. Carrier and Foot are restricted free agents needing new deals. Right-hand defenseman Foot's addition is going to, if Nashville were to retain him, I think turn out to be valuable a year or two from now, and that it's left-handed prospects Spencer Statsny and Mark Del Gazio, both 23, likely to challenge Lazan, the weakest part of the D group, for a roster spot before his contract concludes. And that means Nashville, while not deep on organizational D depth, have an adequate mix for GM Trotz to start with. The other thing is left-hand defensemen, especially bottom pair value D, are readily available. Nashville can even easily find one or less around for a million to 1.5 million any given off season that I don't even need to name them just two-way puck moving defensemen that have a reasonable size to defend as well as generate offense is what all NHL teams most desire presently 32 Thoughts Jeff Merrick reported on draft day that of Nashville's restricted free agents, Nashville only planned to qualify right-hand defenseman Alex Carrier and forward Cody Glass. Surprisingly, that would exclude right-hand defenseman Cal Foote. His qualifying offer is 997.5K. That would allow Foote to test free agency potentially as an unrestricted free agent. That seems surprising. In some cases, it simply means the player and the team make a deal at a lower cost than the qualifying offer. But given his age and that Foote is a right-hand defenseman, that's a player I feel Nashville should qualify. If Nashville does make more moves or adds anything in free agency, I would look for them to add a bottom pair left-hand D via a return in a trade or free agency with NHL experience as something GM Trotz will look to do for next year. As we talk about the forward group, let's be clear of the vets Nashville has held on to. It's last year and the year prior's highest scoring two, Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne, that remain. What's been shed was low production Granland, and with 50% salary retained by Nashville, center Ryan Johansson, who was traded to Colorado for the signing rights to journeyman forward Alex Galchenyuk, who is continuing his playing tour of the Central Division, Arizona prior to Colorado, and time in Minnesota prior to that, but a lot of additional teams as well. Nashville retains $4 million over the next two seasons on Johansson, but also has 250 k for three more seasons retained for defenseman Matthias Ekholm. 
That provides Nashville with only one more player spot for salary retention over the next two seasons as the NHL allows a max of three per year. One question whether Nashville puts both Forsberg and Deshane on a line together or decides to build a line around each of them. Late insert just as I was about to put up the podcast. 32 Thoughts Elliot Friedman reports that the Nashville Predators are buying out the final three seasons of Matt Duchesne's deal, $8 million. So that will have his cap hit, according to Cap Friendly, go over six years now. $2.56 million against the cap for the upcoming season. That goes up to $5.56 the next year and $6.56 the year after that. And then finishes the last three years at $1.56 million. And while we're talking buyouts, we should mention, of course, that there's still five years at $2 million per on the Kyle Turris buyout remaining. At the height, that would put the total cap hit for Nashville in the 2025-26 season for both players just over $8.5 million. And if there was any doubt that the young players are going to get an opportunity in the top six and the bottom six as we get back to the rest of the podcast previously recorded this definitely indicates a changing of the guard in Nashville at that point given the various different players that performed well especially down the stretch who also wins full-time top six roles next year There's a lot of possibilities, and how that shakes out will be interesting, but it isn't clear-cut or definitive who should be. The other question is, will Trotz add to the forward mix before season starts? That will make for less opportunity for the emerging group to have spots. Nashville has the cap space, but who is a good fit? I'm used Winnipeg top center Mark Shifley is looking for a change in Winnipeg's season-ending pod, and given the new coach, I actually think he would be an interesting ad for Nashville. I think of centers for Nashville, as Duchesne can play center, his best numbers in Nashville was playing on the wing. For example, is Nashville really going to slot Cody Glass, 24, 14 goals, 35 points, 72 games played, half-point production, on the top line at center? As well as, say, Tommy Novak, 26, 17 goals, 43 points in 51 games played, who finished third in team scoring this past year at second center. What if Philip Tomasino or Luke Evangelista, both 21 playing top six next year. I'd like to see, like I said a year ago, Yakov Trenin 26 get a top six opportunity. Although back to the trade idea with Winnipeg for Shifley, Winnipeg would be smart to ask for Trenin as part of the return. I will say the new coaching system hopefully means the herd line, especially with Janot traded and gone, dies its deserved death. If the Nashville media try to bring that back, if Colton Sissons and Trennan do form a line, I'm not down for it. Also, how do center Yuso Parsonen and winger Igor Afanasyev, both 22, fit into the lineup? Are they ready? Nashville has vet Mark Jankowski under contract for next season and as a fourth liner, 13 forward role. That's okay, but he seems so like a John Hines guy. And I'm really not sure how the re-up Cole Smith 27 fits into what Nashville wants to do now. But I also think Nashville probably doesn't offer unrestricted free agent Zach Sanford a new contract and lets him test the open market. 
As for Galchenyuk, I'm not convinced Nashville won't let him test the open market either. They could offer him a low-cost deal and see if he fits into the bottom six, but that's pretty much where his value is. At 29, he's a year older than Sanford, yet at least Galchenyuk's skill set and speed is suited for the direction Nashville wants to go in instead of a heavy body guy that is limited in point production the way Sanford is. It's not going to be an impactful add or a major loss if Galchenyuk signs elsewhere either. Still to me, I have to think Nashville adds a skill, good skating proven top six forward to their team. But if it's via trade that is counter to the assets, unless it's another team offloading a contract for cap space, that's where you really only know when you know. Just before the draft, Pittsburgh snagged Riley Smith from the cup-winning Vegas team, day of the draft, for a third-round pick. That would have been the kind of top-six playable NHL experience value player you would think Nashville would trade at least one of their stockpiled assets for. That's the kind of forward piece, but one Vegas makes to clear room under the salary crap to make Smith available for. Nashville's division head-to-head record 9-13-4. The non-playoff division teams were all under 500 point percentage in the division head-to-head. But again, like the top half, it didn't reflect chronologically in how the teams finished. In fact, Nashville finished fifth with a 4.23 point percentage within the division games. That put them sixth. Take the month of April. Nashville went 2-3-0 record-wise. The division swing games is an area where Nashville could have but didn't get the results to surpass Winnipeg, who was a 692 point percentage. In the statistic, there's absolutely the required four-point swing for Nashville to be a playoff team just in the division head-to-heads, just by them going 500-point percentage for 26 points instead of the 22 points Nashville collected. Arizona had 24 points in the head-to-head division games for a better point percentage than Nashville had last year. The 2023 draft held in Nashville, round one's big takeaway, and the first round had no trades and no trading up or down within the first round. Nashville, therefore, selects forward Matthew Wood, 34 points in 35 games played, UConn NCAA, at 15th spot, and select D. Tanner Melendike at 24. Wood projected to be in the group where Nashville's 15 spot was. Arizona's selections of both Russians at 6 and 12 were further down most regarded best player list as late first rounders. They went off the board. Wood on TSN's Bob McKenzie list was 11th. Sportsnet Sam Cosentino's list exactly at 15 where Nashville selected him. This year's draft was considered a heavy forward draft class. Nashville selected a D not projected to go in the first round, but in fairness, more D than expected were selected did. The 5'11 left-hand defenseman Melendic had 6 goals, 37 points, in 67 games played for Saskatoon in the Western Hockey League. Next up on the podcast, St. Louis of the non-Playoff Central Division teams follows next. So instead of talking about where they draft, we'll mention who they drafted in round one like we have with Nashville as we continue to wrap up last season in the team focus series with Arizona and Chicago to follow as well. I was hopeful that would be prior to free agency opening July 1st, but that's going to likely need a bit of an extension. 